Hello everyone and welcome to the Britney Bugle, the number one place to get your kinet fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rini. I'm Mike Booth. And I'm Dan McLennan. The Harrogate hoodoo continues as the Blues once again failed to beat the North Yorkshire side, slumping to a miserable 3-0 defeat. We look back on the defeat as well as a preview of two ball men fighting over Combe, aka the visit of Stevenage to Brunton Park. We might cover a little bit of news as well because you know there's not much happened this week, has there? I think it's <laughs> yeah, fair it's to quiet, say. Yeah, uh, in fact, to be honest, because obviously you went to the game at the weekend, Dan, didn't you? I think you'd yeah. rather not talk about the game, wouldn't you, if possible? Well, my, my match review is, I'll be honest, it's, it's going to be short. Yes. It's a, it's a one word. It starts with D and ends in ogshite, I think is uh, the right, um, <laughs> way to put it. It's, um, yeah, that wasn't great, was it? And this weekend's game will be a... It's either going to be a barnstormer with a load of goals or it'll be a repeat of that Walsall game at the end of last season, won't it, I think? Yeah. So, yeah. Um... I, mean, I suppose we should get straight into the news. Um, so yeah, there's a the youth team finished their season. The last batch of Bradford tickets. Oh wait, no, hang on. Paul Simpson is staying at Brenton Park. Confirmed. Yes. Thank you very much to Andy and Amy in the, in the media team for getting that announced on a Wednesday evening rather than Thursday afternoon, as these <laughs> things always happen usually. But yeah, can, can, you, can you imagine if it uh, if it actually came out just now as we were recording? It would it would have been chaos. It would have, our running order would have gone out the window basically. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but there you go. Yes, yeah, so the news that we've all been praying and waiting for has been confirmed yesterday. Paul Simpson will be staying as United boss after agreeing a three year deal to keep him at Brunton Park until the summer of twenty twenty five. Uh, he's had a huge impact since returning. I don't think anyone would doubt that. I mean, even allowing for the sort of little downturn into form of late, but I mean that's to be expected. The way they, they played over those five or seven games, I think to keep themselves safe. But it's not just off the pitch, is it? It's not, sorry, on the pitch, it's off the pitch where he's had an impact as well. He really has galvanised the support, as we've seen with the Bradford ticket sales, which we'll touch on shortly. But yeah, it really is time, isn't it, Dan, to, to get behind Simo because he, he's got a chance to build something, hasn't he? I mean, three-year deal especially shows that the club know that it's a big job he's got to do. Yeah, I think it's probably the opportunity of a generation to be quite honest oh. because since we came back into League 2 for in 2014 yeah. we've just bumbled along aimlessly for several years uh, we we did well under Abbott in League 1 apart yeah. from the last season which was probably a season too far and ever since it's just been almost a decade of mismanagement bumbling along, wrong decisions, indecision from the boardroom. Uh, and I think, well, I hope that they, they themselves have realised that by offering the three-year contract, it is, you know, this is the time, you know, I mean, do we really want to be bump, knocking about the bottom of League Two for the rest of our lives? No. Of course you not. know, the, the away followings since Paul Simpson came back, have shown what this club's capable of. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's 
it's a little bit do or die without being over dramatic, you know. Mm. It's you know, let's let's give it a proper go yeah. and see see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting about bumbling about. I mean, some might argue back, well, we've had a couple of decent seasons there, but actually I'd agree with you in that when it's come to making key decisions during those seasons, we've messed up. I mean, the biggest example is the Charlie White sale, isn't it? That money should have been reinvested in another striker. Whether it got us promotion or not, it would have set us up for the following season, hopefully. And we ended up spunking all the money on, you know, was it four grand a week on Jamie Proctor online from thing? Which was not good management of the money in the slightest. But I mean, we're getting to another story altogether, aren't we? If we talk about the the way money was managed under Keith Curl's spell as manager. Um, yeah, I mean, interesting comments from him, Mike, isn't it? There that's come out and other bits that have come out this week and. Michael Bridges allegedly going to be down watching training today and tomorrow, I think it is, after his trip over the Legends game at the weekend. Do you fancy Bridges maybe for a coaching role? Yeah, well, if if, if he's the right man for the job, I I don't think there's any sense in giving it to someone purely on sentiment. But um, yeah, if, uh, if he's the right man for the job, I think... We may well be getting another coach as well as an assistant manager, like we always used to. Because um, obviously Simo had been saying for weeks that everything had to be right sort yeah. of for him and the club had to offer him the things that he needed and wanted. And I'm guessing with him signing the contract that that's exactly what they've done. And he, he said as well, he didn't ask for three years. That was the club that yeah. gave him three years. And I think as fans, I think you sort of hinted at it the other week, Lee, is that... We need to just trust the process. Like things yeah. might not be wonderful next season, you know, but we need to just have faith. Let him do what he has to do. Because by all accounts, a lot of things off the pitch they need a complete and utter overhaul. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and and I'd repeat it again. I think I've seen a few people tweeting, getting very excited. As you, as you want to get excited about something like this, you know, Simo getting the job for three years. I've heard some people saying, oh, we're on for promotion next season. I think we need to be very careful on this. And I think Simo's been quite good with this in his interviews. He said, like, look, we want to win as many games as possible next season, but it's not a quick and easy fix here. There's a lot of work that's been in the background. And he touched on, you know, things not being right behind the scenes. I mean, there's only a short clip come out before we recorded today. That was the YouTube clip that the club put up yesterday. But he was pretty scathing again on the recruitment side without naming he who shall not be named. <laughs> The clown car noise on this episode uh, will not be getting used, hopefully. Um, he was pretty clear how bad that person had run things, wasn't he? I mean, he said that literally he's coming in without any database at all of the players that we can sign, which would suggest oh, we keep it on all we got these lists and stuff. What, what, what were these lists? Was it just, you know, a few con- agents that you knew that maybe could do you a favour every now and then and stuff? It, it, I, I don't even think we had that. It just, it's... It's incredible, isn't it? But the good thing is the club are giving him a budget to do that, which I'm guessing comes from the money that basically was spent on he or shall not be named his wage, basically. I think that's essentially worth going into getting a chief scouted or some, you know, sort of decent setup there. I mean, it doesn't sound like he wants to, you know, get rid of people, Simpson. I think what he wants to do is, is, is make it a bit bigger and better. And we're not talking about breaking the bank and, you know, spending huge amounts of money. I don't even think he necessarily needs an experienced coach or assistant alongside him because he's the experienced one now, isn't he? He's got nearly 20 Mm. years of experience in management now. So I I think you're right. I think there probably will be a coach to come in alongside, maybe work alongside him and Gav. 
he seems to get on fairly well with Gav. Seems to be working really well. I, I wonder, Dan, do you reckon there's a good chance that Paul Gerrard will be confirmed as a permanent goalkeeping coach? Because he, he seems to be doing a decent job. I mean, I, I've noticed particularly that Mark Howe's distribution seems to have stepped up a little bit since he's come in. Yeah, I think uh, I think he'll uh, he'll keep Gerard if, if Gerard wants to say. Yeah. You know, I mean, Simpson three year. You'd like to think he'd be able to offer at least two year to fork. Uh, yeah. I think I think Skelton stays for the continuity. Uh, he gets a lot of bad press, Gav, uh, but I, I think people fail to understand the role of of a coach, and mm. that's to do as the manager asks. And, and so it's, uh, it's people good. say, "Oh, Gav, Gav's been here under Presley yeah. and Millen and Beach. He's only doing what they ask him to do, which yeah. is his job." Yeah. You know, and it is actually useful sometimes to have a bit of that continuity there, and someone who does know the club does know the area as well. I know Simpson's from the area as well, but you know, he's I, moving I, back, isn't it? He is, indeed. Well. Yeah, he said he's, he's moving up. Uh, obviously, with the three-year deal, he, he's shown commitment. Like the club has shown commitment to him, which is is really good to see. To be fair, and. Um, yeah, I mean, just generally, just just feel a lot more positive now. I mean, we'll, we'll talk again about the Bradford ticket soon, but, you know, there could be a big following there. It's going to be fantastic. And you get the feeling the fans are ready to get behind the club. And actually, other bit he's talked about, hasn't he, Mike, is off-the-field stuff, not just in terms of him setting up his coaching setup and recruitment setup. It's stuff like the commercial side and getting people to come down and, you know, and to sponsor the club and do things like that. Someone like Paul Simpson... It, he is quite charismatic in that way. He's a very, you know, he's not like a charismatic, big, brash character sort of type, but he, he speaks well and he and he gets people on board, doesn't he? And you get the impression that local organisations might even buy into that. Yeah, definitely. And we've seen it before. You know, when this team is doing well and the club's doing well, the whole city is, is buzzing and mm. everyone wants to be a part of it. And I think... Get in now, what you know, while uh, while you can, because I think you know it, it could well be a wild ride. Obviously, you know, not expecting anything immediately, but you know, we saw, we saw the last time, and if if we can have half of that buzz that we had last time I was here, then we'll be going very well, won't we? Definitely, definitely. Uh, before... On on that, I will add. Why weren't season ticket sales announced this morning? The, the due to be the due to be announced any day. Mm. Uh, my mate picked his Bradford ticket up on Monday and he was told later in the week, you've just made the biggest news of the last five years. I wonder if it's one of those ones you want to time it for the Friday so you get it in, you know, Radio Cumbria. And do it on the why, why, why and wait? Why wait? I, I, I sort of get you with the why wait thing, but actually sometimes um, it's a good way you don't of doing have to put them, you don't, you don't have to put them on sale at 10am this morning. Oh, no, no. You can, anou- you can announce them and say, you know, Simpson staying, get on board, let's get everyone on. Mm. Season ticket news, these will go on sale from ten AM Monday. I, I wonder you know? I wonder if the Simpson news was put out a little bit earlier than planned, because obviously there was a story that emerged on the Cumbria crack website, didn't it? Earlier on Thursday suggesting that they said it they heard it he was definitely gonna get the job. I'm not saying they've broken embargo or anything, but maybe they've heard something from someone and they've let it uh, out, and then the club thought, "Well, let's just get the news out there now." Maybe I, I might be wrong on that. There might well be. There, there, there was a whisper going round the night before that there was an announcement imminent, but also that whisper mentioned there'd be more than one an announcement. Yeah, 
So I, I wonder if maybe it was supposed to come on Thursday mm. and then you follow up on the Friday with the season ticket on. Maybe, I, I, maybe. I don't have a problem with them waiting maybe one extra day for the season ticket stuff. If they get it out on Friday... Or, or, or mm. did Keir Starmer land and the fourth, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get Robert Peston in on the after yeah, all sorts, get, you get, know. Yeah, exactly. That was a bit, certainly a busy uh, evening, wasn't it, at Brunton Park? We, mm. we won't get into politics on this show because we, we're not interested in talking about it on this show. Um but yeah, it, it, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens now. Obviously, he's now got to start looking at retain lists and stuff like that. We'll discuss who we think should be retained next week, basically on the show because it'll be it'll essentially be our sort of in the news section around it. I think we'll do a little sort of rundown of who we think should stay and who should go. But when we get onto the Paragate review section, it could be quite a brutal list based on what he said after that game. He, he was not impressed, so. Um, be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, right, let's move on to the other news section bits before we do the Harrogate review. Uh, first up, let's talk about Bradford tickets, as I've mentioned there. The last batch of Bradford tickets uh, have gone on sale. So United have been given, I think it's an extra 844, I think it is, tickets for the game this, uh, not this weekend, sorry, the week, next weekend, the, the final game of the season. Trip down to uh, Valley Parade to take on Bradford City. Already sold over 1,200 tickets. Which is incredible for a dead rubber at the end of the season, <laughs> really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the sort of thing you expect when you go for promotion, isn't it? Really, um, superb stuff. I, I expect that eight hundred will sell out probably as well. Now with that good news about Simpson, you know, there's a real good feel good factor there. One word of warning though, isn't there, Dan? In terms of those tickets, yeah, no food, no hot drinks, food or alcohol in, on sale in that stand, which is absolutely ridiculous in this day and right. age, but. Even Bradford oh, it's had drinks. It says no hot drinks, so they may be offering like cans of Pepsi or something, you know. Just... I mean, that'd be funny, but like on a trestle table. <laughs> it's a twenty first century. Even Barrow had facilities. You couldn't couldn't find them, but you know the were facilities <laughs> there in the away end. I tell you that much. But yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be terrific, that isn't it, Dan? And again, it's like you said. It's another sign with these big away followings of what this club can actually do if, if it's if it's run right and it and the right people are put in place. So, well, that's, I mean, we'll, we'll yeah. look at the away following since Paul Simpson returned. I mean, you got to remember Barrow and Harrogate both six hundred because that's all the tickets yeah. gave us. Barrow, mm. Barrow would have been two thousand plus. Harrogate mm. would probably have been a thousand. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, then you've got Oldham, obviously, we took, what, 1,300 there, was it, I think? Yeah, yeah. And 700 or- to Orient. 700 you know. to Orient. <laughs> 700 about, to Walsall. About eight, 800 or something to um, Tranmere as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. And if you go back a couple of seasons, when we went to Walsall for a game that actually meant something, Mike, remember on around about Christmas 2019? Yeah. I think we had about 500 there that day. It might mm. have even been less, so it shows... You can really, really get a good following at this club if it's run properly. Uh, next sec- bit before we do the uh, loan review um, roundup. Um, just so, I mean, we, we don't really talk much about the under-18 team on the show, so we maybe do it a little bit more next season, but I thought it was just worth mentioning that the under-18s uh, wrapped up their season at the weekend, didn't they? They got a 5-1 win over Morecambe, um, securing second place in the uh, EFL, I think it's the Northwest Alliance League. Um they're well behind Preston in the end, unfortunately. Yeah, that, Preston that, that Preston are a, a, a notch above most of yeah. the teams, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, but we, but we, what we've done is we've took ourselves ahead of Blackpool, who've been ahead of us for quite a while in recent seasons, I think. So, fantastic to see that. We finished comfortably in third place above Blackpool. Blackpool have still got a couple of games to play, but they, they can't, you know, I think they can get within seven points, something like that. So, it's not really 
even close. Um, so obviously the, the game of the weekend, uh, Sam Fishburne grabbed himself a hat trick. Back playing, uh, that'll be his last game under eighteen level. Actually, won't it? Because he's a uh, mm. second year. So I, I think that I think I need to check on this. There is a rule now where you can play either one or two first year pros in your youth team just to get them football. If you know what I mean. I have a feeling one of them has to be a goalkeeper. Possibly, I think. Right, is right. All you can have. So maybe the goal. I mean, I think I'd rather you know young Lewis Boyd got a bit of action rather than you know those two. But um, you know. The other two keepers, that is, sorry. Um, so, yeah, obviously, Sam Fishburne got a hat-trick and uh, there was a brace for Nick Bellardo. Um, Bellardo finished top scorer for the youth team this season. 22 goals he got. I think it's a matter of time. If he starts next season, well, he'll get a pro deal, you'd imagine, wouldn't you? Because any striker who's scoring 20-odd goals for the youth team, they've got to give a pro deal to, don't they? Because they don't yeah. want to risk him going somewhere else and embarrassing them by, by scoring for them instead. Uh, Sam Fishman actually got 12 goals, despite the fact that he probably missed a decent chunk of the season through being at Lancaster City. And then obviously with the first team up until about January-ish, I think it was, wasn't it, when Millen took over? So mm. so yeah, uh, fantastic for the two of them. I, think, I imagine Fishburne would have got 20, actually, if he'd, if he'd been there the whole season with them. They probably would have won the league, to be honest, if they were Ballado and Fishburne up front. Um yeah, so uh, so far of the second year YTSs, four of them have been given pro deals. That's Gabe Breeze, Scott Simons, they're the two keepers, Sam Fishburne, and obviously Captain Jack Ellis. Uh, I'm going to say the, the first three of those were given them last summer. Yes, exactly. So mm-hmm. they've been effective, well, not, not effectively pros, but they've been working with the first team for quite yeah. a while now. Um, that means Max Kilsby, Joshua Barnett, DJ Taylor, Charlie Watt, and Dylan Garvey are all awaiting their decisions now. Should note, Garvey's actually uh, on loan at Burtley Town at the moment, or work experience. One of the, I don't know which one it is classed as. Um, I suspect that suggests that maybe his decision's been taken and it's just a case of yeah. getting some football. So in terms of the others, I mean, Kilsby seems to feature a bit for the reserve team. So whether he'll get a deal, I don't know. Um I think Charlie Watts one they really like, isn't he? But again, to, to, to be honest, with the youth team, I think if one or two sign a pro deal every year, you're doing well. Hmm. We've we've took a bit of a gamble in recent seasons hmm. by signing three, four, five, and there's not many have really worked out. No, I, I think, think I think he who won't be named had this. He's talked one or two of them up a little bit too much. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But I think as well, it's down to EPPP, isn't it? Um, yeah, definitely yeah. an asset, aren't you? Basically, that's what you're doing mm. essentially by giving them two-year deals instead of one-year deals. You're absolutely right, Mike. The EPP thing means that clubs these days now we have to look and think: well, if this player really is as good as we hope he might be, I mean, if, if you if you if you sign four of them on, their combined wage is equivalent to one. Yeah. First proper first team pro. Yeah. It's, so it's it's a low risk gamble. Yeah. And it also pads your squad out for when you do yeah. have a, a run of injuries and you need a couple on the bench. Uh, and, and if, it, it'd be if nice to, one if one strikes mm, and makes it, it's been worth a gamble, you know. I think it'd be nice to maybe almost build up enough to have a almost an under twenty three squad that can be padded out by youth team players there that you can play against it. So, someone did actually message us, I forgot to mention this, uh, someone had emailed us and, and suggest, asked, if you asked the question on the thing, do we think the Blues should look to join a proper reserve league next season? Yes. I know, Dan, you were going to say straight away yes for this. I, I can't, I'd love them to, but I don't think there's any real competitive reserve leagues out there these days. The old Pontins one and stuff like that, just, 
it doesn't exist in the same. You've got the Central Cup, haven't you, which we play each season. We play like I think is it six games you play in total? I think in the no, league. No, we play three. We play three. three. I thought you, I thought you played home and away against both teams. No, it's it? changed. You used uh, to, I think. But I'm going to go off on my tangent here because yes. one, I think reserve team football should be part of being in the league. But two, I also think there should be a proper full 92 team setup. I mean, I know you've got Premier League two for the very best of them, yeah. But the rest should be divided into regional groups play once a fortnight on a Monday afternoon or something and just, you know, and if you don't put a certain level of team out, you get dock points and fine, you know. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? It's the cost is as much as the problem, isn't it, really? And that's, you know, it, I think is if, there if, that if much cost? A... Is there that much cost? This is the thing, it's having a big well, enough the, squad they're getting to do paid it. The wages. They're getting paid the wages anyway. Uh, yeah, it's having you, a big you're enough only, You're only talking about a, a bus and... You know, most teams have a minibus or something. You know, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure there's reasons why they don't do it anymore because it used to be a regular thing, didn't it? But it's, it's just not really as, as practical these days. I, th- I think the problem is that the the big teams stockpile so many players now. Teams at our level don't have as big a squad as these. Do. Well, that's 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 going to change a bit because the the number of loanees you're allowed to send out is True. changing, isn't it? True. Which which worries me because that means means they'll start pushing for the B teams in the league again, won't they? But well, well, that speaking of, which brings me on nicely to a bit you forgot to put in. Yeah, and there are discussions amongst Premier League clubs about whether the B teams are worth having in the EFL Trophy. Well, that was I, in the Daily Mail this week, it's, wasn't it's it? True. Like I, I, we we don't like to talk about that competition <laughs> unless it's the fact that the competition's about to have its downfall. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens whether they go back to do the normal. Uh, format for that it's a it's a really interesting one isn't it it's um if if, if these teams go out of it i'll be going back but yeah. my worry is the damage has been done already yeah and the fact i that mean that all the funding will go means that they, they won't have the the, the the funding really to to boost the competition anymore i mean well, i'm I'm, well. I'm, a, I'm opposed to b teams but you know since they've been introduced england reached a world cup semi final and the euros final so you know you can't argue <laughs> with the facts that it Scab. really has helped Scab. the national team <laughs> how how many of those players played in that competition <laughs> i mean they might have played no, for exactly. while on loan for teams in that competition maybe but they haven't, certainly didn't play for the under 23s in those teams did they um you you're right maybe we'll discuss that on uh, next week's episode or one of the upcoming episodes Dan. but it's been interesting because what what would you do with that competition? How would you change cup competitions in in England? Would be that would be a good little discussion actually to have maybe on a future episode because we've all got different views. I'd love to see a, a UK cup or something like that. Really, I think that would be exciting. I don't think the offer. I think it's exciting, I'll, I'll but, say yeah. it quickly, but we'll go into more detail when we discuss it. I would get rid of the League Cup for the Premier League because they're not interested until mm. the final, and I would make an EFL Cup for the seventy two. Mm. Interesting way of doing it. Um. Right, okay, well, we'll t- touch on that on another episode anyway. Um, I mean, we'll, do, do you want to briefly talk about the uh, the Legends game? And no, none of us were able to make it to the game, would we, unfortunately? But it's no, a, it uh, like a no, good day out. Uh, yeah, the, the newly formed ex-players uh, fund. There's always been a Calais United OAP team, and I think it's just sort of got a bit more professional. Yeah, it's formalised, isn't it, really? Yeah, I think it's Chris Lumsden, Paul Murray... Uh, Derek Denny Walsh. Walsh and Colin Carter involved in the running of it. Uh, yeah, they had, you know, originally this game was pencilled in for Penrith, which was ridiculous. I think it was justifiably 
onto Brunton Park, given that nearly 1,400 turned up. And it was basically 94-95 against 05-06. And uh, yeah. looked like a good afternoon by all accounts. Yeah, it looked really good, didn't it? Um, Steve Hayward scored a, a penalty, didn't he, I think, for the um, for the 94-90. Did he score two Michael, points, actually? Or? Michael Bridges with a free kick for the ages. Oh, mm. wonderful, wasn't it? Leticia style, wasn't it, really? Um, yeah. Carl Hall grabbed a couple, didn't he? Did I, Danny Graham get one? Did I imagine that? I, can't, I, don't, I really feel really bad because I've stopped half following on Sunday. Carl Hawley got two. Carl Hawley got two. Well, there you go. So, so Mike was following it a little bit closer than the pair of us, I think it's fair to well, say. Well, that's just trying to watch the highlights with that crazy rock music in the background. <laughs> they, they even had a VAR decision, the first ever one at Brunton Park, which was lovely to see. Yeah. It was nice to see, obviously, like, I mean, just listing through some of the players, obviously Mick Wadsworth and Paul Simpson were the respective managers, but a list of the players somewhere, Michael Bridges, Carl Hawley, Tony Elliott, who apparently, you know, signed him up for next season, the way he played by all accounts. He had a, he had a blinding game. I mean, that's Tony though, isn't it? He's still coaching and still in, in great shape. Um, Darren Edmondson, Andy Hart is an interesting one, isn't it, Danny? He's the mystery player. Andy Hart is the mystery man who everyone always says, who's that on the, the famous picture in the Neil? He's, yeah. uh, he was from Leeds. Uh, John Coleman did a great interview with mm. him in the News and Star, so I won't spoil uh, Andy Hart's story. Have a, have a look at that. It's yeah. uh, a good read. But how dare you, how dare you not list the French Prince first? <laughs> Well, I'm re- I'm reading the list off the official Sick website here, so that I'll... I don't care. So, do you want me to start again? <laughs> Maybe first. Do you want me to start again? His okay. Royal Highness. Okay, let me start again. Uh, His Royal Highness, the French Ambassador Stefan Punovacci, Michael Bridges, Carl Hawley, Tony Elliott, Darren Edmonton, Andy Hart, Paul Murray, Jeff Thorpe. Apparently, playing his first game in 20 years. He said he was saying I saw on Facebook he was posting. I said he really enjoyed it. It was good for him because it was the first time his kids got to see him play, which is nice. Uh, one of your favourites as well, Dan, Paul Proudlock, uh, Richard Procast. I'll tell you something. I saw a picture of Paul Proudlock. He was looking <laughs> bloody good, wasn't he? he? Looks in good shape, doesn't he? Yeah, looking, looking yeah. good, Nick. Yeah, Richard Procast, Gavin Skelton, Gareth McAlinden, Tony Keg, Ian Arnold, Matty Glennon. Uh, Danny Livesey, Tom Cowan, Peter Murphy, Kevin Gray, Simon Hackney, Luke Joyce, uh, got, got a run out, Lee Andrews, David Raven, Jeff Smith, uh, who, who, again, we were told, looks in terrific shape. I mean, he's a, he's a personal trainer, so he should be, really, shouldn't he? Uh, Dolly had a run out, David Wilkes even played, uh, Derek Walsh, Steve Hayward, and Brendan McGill. I think there's a couple he, he's, of he's, Here's a one for future. Create a best 11 out of them two squads. Ooh, that'll be interesting. That'll be some discussion, wouldn't it? Um... <laughs> Uh, also, they're lending the support, actually, we should say, with Derek Manfield, Dean Walling, Billy Bart, don't boo, Dan, uh, Andy Horner, the former kit man under the um, 05-06 era, and obviously Fred Story was there in the director's box. So, and yeah. uh, the, the likes of Les O'Neill, etc., were there at yeah, half-time. Yeah. Fantastic. It was really, I mean, the, the club really needs to harness this a bit more, things like this, doesn't it? And you do wonder if maybe even like for an actual match, you, you name like a match of legends then, you just get a, a lot of legends to turn up once a season, basically, and you know you get to see them, get them on the pitch at half-time, get them around the stands, you know, talking to people and things like that. It'd be fantastic, wouldn't it, really? So, so there you go. So anyway, that's, that's the... Um, Legends game covered. Hopefully, we'll we'll see more things like this in the future involving United. So fantastic. Um, 
Right, <laughs> loan updates. Um, do you want to pick this one up, Mike? Because uh, me and Dan have done quite a bit of talking. This. You, you, you can do run through the loan updates today. Yeah, go on. Uh, right, so we have Taylor Charters, uh, obviously, after getting themselves back on top of the table over the Easter weekend, they've given them, themselves a healthy cushion over second place. Uh, Gates said I've made things a bit tighter again after being held to a draw against Kettering Town this weekend. Uh, Charter started this game on the bench and came on as a 68-minute sub with a score at 1-1, but he wasn't able to help his side find a winner. Brackley Town beat Darlington 2-0 in their game, meaning the gap is now down to two points with just three games left. It's one hell of a title race, that, isn't it? Well, it's mad, isn't it? And an interesting point, I, I, I spotted that when I was looking at the table. Gated have scored 92 goals and conceded 42 across the season, while Brackley, they've only scored 51 but they've only conceded 20. So of of that 92, I wonder how many are between Scott, mm-hmm. uh, Campbell... And Langstaff. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I would wager about 60. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's mad, isn't it? It's mad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But there, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be a very exciting end to the season. There. I think they've both got games against teams that are sort of challenging for the playoffs. So, could end up being a really, really tight one, that. Mm, definitely um, Tristan Abrams uh, after a brief appearance for him this week uh, his contribution was huge though as he uh, scored the winning goal in a 2-1 win over Torquay at Blundell Park which brings him to three goals in 15 games now so you know he's really hit the ground running there yeah. uh, <laughs> to, to, to be fair I'd say a lot of them will have been from the bench yeah, yeah, yeah they have been 10 off the bench, yeah. so it's quite a few. I mean, yeah. 91st minute penalty, he had the, he had the, <coughs> uh, the nuts on him to start step up and uh, and take that and convert it. It's, it's a big win for them as well, isn't it, really? Because, mm. I mean, they're now, I think they're sitting, what is it, six points clear in the uh, playoff places. So it looks but, like they should be okay. But have you seen the thing, the National League playoff final is at the London Stadium? Yeah. So it's not at Wembley, it's at... West Ham's yeah. ground, yeah. but pretty much all of the teams that are in the playoffs are northern, basically. Yeah, it, it, it's insane, isn't it? You've got, I think, was it Wrexham, Chesterfield, Notts County, Grimsby, Halifax, and Solihull's the nearest. Mm. Basically, all the rest are north of Birmingham. Essentially, it's absolutely. Oh no, sorry, Nottingham, not Notts County. Well, Notts County is not not a little bit north of Birmingham. I'm not sure, but. But basically, yeah, you've got two Midlands teams and teams from the northwest. Yes. Solihull is the most southerly. Nottingham is comfortably further north than Birmingham. Yeah, well, there you go. So, <laughs> so, uh, and the other loanee this week was obviously Manny Mampala, who made two more sub-appearances, but it was another Woo-hoo. two defeats, confirming Weymouth's relegation to hey, National League hey, South. To be fair, you got to combine 20 minutes over those two games. So, you know, that's well, a step yeah. up, so... And yeah, well, with, with the way some of the uh, you know National League North and South teams are split, I'm amazed that Weymouth are in the National League South. To be honest, <laughs> I thought they might put them in the National League North. Yeah, well, yeah. Could, be, could be close the way it goes, <laughs> but no, yes, yeah, so it's um, there. You go. That's uh, Weymouth relegated. I mean, not a massive surprise, really. To be, to be honest, they've been pretty poor for a while. Um, they were one 0 up against Wrexham, though. <laughs> Which is madness, really. At halftime, one nil up, lost six one. So clearly, <laughs> yeah, it didn't go that well, did it? So they, Re- they Wrexham struggle against these teams, though, because Dover mm. that mental game mm. the week. Mm. 
but they've always got that bit of power to get themselves back in there. Yeah, yeah. But there you go. Well, let's talk about the. Let's move on to the match review section then. Uh, Dan, your chance yeah, to yeah. shine. I'm sure you don't really want to. Uh, Harrogate free, Colin United nil. Have to say, not disappointed at all that I missed this game. Now, really, I was I was getting a train to Manchester to go to a gig, and um, as I was getting ready to walk to the station, I got the alert through the first goal. For yeah, pretty glad I'm not there now. Then really, um, I. It, not a good afternoon in the office, is it fair to say, Dan? Dog shit. <laughs> is that it? Yeah. Is that it? What was your day out in, 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 in Harrogate? Like? It's an Harrogate, it's a lovely place. It's a lovely you, place. Did you get to Betty's Tea Rooms? No, No, we, we did walk nearby. Mm. But uh, no, uh, we were just woeful. Uh, Harrogate wanted it. We looked like we were on the beach. Uh, I was impressed with Jack Diamond for them. Mm. Certainly one I would like to go for in the summer if it was available. Yeah. Uh, no, and I, I think Paul Simpson pretty much summed it up afterwards, saying that wasn't good enough. Uh, yeah. It was just atrocious. Yeah, uh, I thought poor, poor defending for the first two. Uh, we just looked disjointed. We we looked like we did in that Swindon game. Mm. People, a lot of people said it was pretty much as bad as that Swindon game, really. And yeah, yeah. bear in mind, they have, I mean, as good as Diamond is, he's not Harry McCurdy, is he? He's not somebody who's going to get at you. So it, in, in the same way, so it's it's pretty disappointing, really. I mean, uh, just going through the goals, from what I've seen on YouTube, you might want to come out on this otherwise. But um, Diamond was the one who started the move, wasn't he, for the uh, the first goal? He was out on the left wing. Um, he got past Riley a bit too easily. And then Devine just does not track him at all, does he? Really, mm. really sloppy stuff. It's played out wide to the um, to the to the Harrogate right, and Thompson's got way too much time to get that crossing. Armour does not get out to close him down at all, does he? He mm. just sort of stands off him, and the ball comes in, and then I mean, I'm not sure what Mark Howard was actually doing for the goal. I, 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 don't, I don't know if there was a miscommunication between the centre backs and the keeper or what, but Di- Diamond literally ran through a lot of them and pokes it in, you know. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Really, it's it's not not great at all. Uh, second goal, McArdle headed from a free kick. I mean, first thoughts when I watch it back on on YouTube is it wasn't that far wide of Patrick, and if he'd sort of dived across a bit to head mm. in the wall, could he have stopped it? Maybe, maybe I'm being a little bit critical, but it didn't see it didn't fly right over his head, did it? It was mm. it seemed almost head height. I mean, but the ball coming in, I mean. Armour and Feeney, I don't know who's meant to be picking it, them up. It, it was very similar to the first for me, in that yeah. their player just helps himself through our defence, who don't know what they're doing. I can't work out whether it's Armour or Feeney who should be marking him, or if Mellish has lost his marker, because he seems to come from a bit deeper. It's also it's a great header, but it's yeah not good marking at all. Third goal, just it was just rubbing salt in the wind, wasn't it? I mean... We made them look like prime Barcelona, didn't we? Yeah, the, the, the video that they put up, wasn't it, of them passing it about with about 20-odd passes... <laughs> But, I mean, it's all right saying that, but, I mean, there's no pressure on them at all. They're all standing I think, off. I think, I think it proved once and for all that we can't play two wide players in the middle three. No, it, it, it costs you. Because it, 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 they just went through us. And that's that's not having a go at Gibson or Dickinson. You know, they mm. both didn't have the best of games, but both aren't central midfielders for me. Yeah, you know, and, and then and you look I at think the... I, I was just about to say, Devine's a big disappointment. You know, mm. he's, he's playing for a contract and, you know, on, on recent showings, he doesn't get one for me. No, I'd be surprised if he did, to be honest, based mm. on what I've seen recently. I mean, 
there's not really a huge amount else to say, is there really, in terms of the actual game? I mean, like you said, Dan, they just lacked intensity, didn't they? They didn't look yeah. looked like we were happy with being safe and didn't feel like... They looked like, like they had the, the flip-flops on. Yeah. yeah, which I hate that term because, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's not the way they're thinking as players, but that's the way it comes across, isn't it, when you see yeah, it? It's, yeah. it's disappointing. Um, interesting thing I noticed actually watching the, the YouTube highlights video is there's a voice you can constantly hear when Harrogate are on the ball, isn't there? And it's Paul mm. Furwell's voice. Very, very vocal. Interestingly, hearing the way he's coaching them. Because we haven't heard before, haven't we, that basically he does a lot of the coaching at Harrogate, actually, rather than uh, Weaver, who's the manager. He's more a, a manager in that sense rather than a coach. So that was very interesting to see. But, yeah, nice enough day out in, in, in North Yorkshire then, Dan. Obviously, you got a well, lift back yeah, in there, didn't you? Yes, yes and no, because... Uh... On the train, we went on the train, three of us, and as we're on the train down, uh, another fella, Blue, came up and said, oh, you're on the last one back from Leeds. I went, yeah, and he said, oh, it's cancelled. So, queue a couple of messages, and a big shout out to my mate, mate Martin, and his his son, Craig, who is our youngest listener, I think. Oh. Uh, he, he said that we could only get a lift back with him if you got a shout out on the podcast so thanks again, that bell. Thanks, <laughs> thank, thanks again Craig uh, look forward to you coming on as a guest next season pal we'll sort that out for you like, like I said, because we, we, we've got a few ideas for next season involving yeah. fans so. yeah. but no uh, yeah we managed to get a lift back and I was on Botchigate for 7pm so Lovely stuff. Not, not too bad you say the shout out's getting in there. I'm cutting that bit out, by the way. I'm, I'm just joking. Craig, Craig, <laughs> Craig, here's your shout out. Thank you, thank you very much to you and your dad for giving uh, Dan a lift back to Carlisle yeah. after the game. Top man, top man. Um, yeah, so it's somewhere worth doing next season as an away trip, you know, maybe. Hopefully with a bigger allocation uh, next time. Yeah, I'm in no rush to go back. I mean, it doesn't mm. even feel like you're at a football ground, you know. I mean, Straight the away. ground's well out of town. You know, it's not a long stroll from the station, and the boozer pre-match, uh, the Empress was quite a big boozer. You know, it was mm. uh, decent. But when when you cross the main roads and walk down the ground, the ground just appears. You know, it's it's kind of like going to like a non-league team in the FA Cup almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's 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 small. It's neat. It does them. You know, I mean. Yeah. There was only 2,700 there, I think, and we were 600. But I mean, it's barmy that they reduced the allocation so much for this special fans day and then didn't even bloody sell the tickets. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. baffling. To be fair, I think thought. I think it looked a little bit more than the same. But hmm. I, I, I wonder where you would get the same amount of fans in again if it holds 5,000. Yeah, maybe. If you know maybe. what I mean. But. Yeah. Oh, well, um, before we uh, wrap up the first half of the show, let's quickly talk about um the most post-match comments you you very briefly touched on it there Dan when you were talking about the game um he, he was quite scathing wasn't he Mike I mean yeah. he, he basically said embarrassing and he said he, he said didn't he I'm gonna have to be careful what I say here because I need them for the last two games yeah uh, I think one thing for me in this team is it's kind of annoyed me a bit, is that they were capable of the new manager bounce under Millen, and they were capable of playing well under Beach for periods, and it just seems like if they're they're not up for it, they're just not up for it. And if you can't be up for it with Paul Simpson as your manager, there's serious questions that need to be asked, and I think what he'll want to do in the summer is bring in sort of some of them generals, if you like, for Good characters. Yeah, who will help sort of put that uh, passion and motivation on on the pitch where where he can't. 
Yeah, absolutely. You really hope you can do that in the summer. Um, just a few of the bits he said. Obviously, like I said, he's, he's so scathing. He basically said lost first contact, second contact, pulling out of tackles, that kind of thing. Um, suggested actually that the Mansfield result kidded us a little bit and that the Harrogate performance was a harsh reality of actually where we are as a, a club and again, emphasised the need for an overhaul, which we now know he's going to be able to do, thankfully, and, and that players actually need to start fighting and scrapping for their careers. I, I suspect there's a fair few players he maybe was on the fence about in that team that day that he's maybe thought, well, actually, I can quite happily let you go. <laughs> You're not going to mm. be good enough. So, uh, yeah, very interesting to see what he does over the next uh, week or two, basically, when he announces the uh, retain list and things like that. But, um, yeah, just... just not really good enough. It's interesting the way that it's probably a little of a point here, but um, the great thing with 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 Simo and some managers you find when they do club interviews, they like the club to the club interview. It's so almost set them up for their answer and in a sense of saying, "I want to talk about this. Can you ask this?" And I just got the impression of Andy's first question was straight to the point on it of how bad we were, and he gave Simpson the chance to basically just say what he thought. Really, really interesting. I thought that was, but, uh, but there I, you go. I think there's a bit of a, you know, obviously they go way back, Andy yeah, yeah. and Simo, and I think Andy knows he can ask him them questions, yes. and Simo will give him a decent, yeah. frank response. Whereas other managers might get a bit, you know, up their arse about being asked the questions that need to be asked. Yeah, and then as a result, sometimes people don't want to ask those questions. No, it's it's, it's a really fair point. I've, I've had that before with with people. Greg Abbott, lovely bloke, but ask him the wrong question and he could get quite spiky about it so Paul's pretty good he's pretty calm well thought out figure and you know again I think we're going to see an improvement in terms of the amount of much stuff he talks about in the in the press and media as well it's it's going to be he'll be it's a godsend to be a like Andy and Amy really in terms of having a manager like that so great to see right I think that wraps up the first half of the show 40 minutes blimey we've uh, been talking for quite a bit haven't we but uh, plenty covered uh, we'll take a short break now and then we'll be back with the second half of the show this is John Mellish, you listen to the Brunton Bugle. Okay, so it's time for the second half of the show, uh, where we're going to be previewing the uh, Stevenish game, the first of two dead rubbers against teams struggling down at the bottom with us. But before we do that, I've got to remind you that you can subscribe to the podcast through all good podcast apps. Now, normally at this point, I say Acast is one of the apps you can use, but unfortunately, Acast are closing their app down, which really annoyed me because I use Acast as my podcast app because it's one of the easiest to use. It's really simple and... Yeah, a bit of a bit of a bummer that one, but uh, yeah. So if if you use Acast at the moment, just a reminder to yourself to go out and find another podcast app. I'm going to try Pocket Casks. I'm told that's quite good. Whether it is or not, I don't know. But I mean, if you've got an, an iPhone, Apple Podcast is supposedly a, a very good app to use. Google Podcast is decent enough, and and Spotify as well. You can use. I like to keep my music and podcasts separate, so that's why I don't use Spotify. But yeah, if you go to any of those uh, podcast apps, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and every time a new episode comes out, it'll go straight into your podcast inbox and you can download it and listen at your leisure uh, if you can give us a review on any of those apps as well that'd be brilliant as well especially on apple Podcasts and spotify they're the two main ones that uh, do reviews so if you can give us reviews and then that'd be fantastic uh, a reminder as well you can follow us on social media we're on twitter at brunton bugle on facebook click uh like one on the brunton bugle page uh you can find us on the be just and fair not facebook group as well and on the cumrews.net message board you can also contact us contact us conquers <laughs> You can contact us by email, bruntabugle at gmail.com. And we are now also on Instagram, aren't we, Dan? We, find we are, yes. Up. Yeah. Uh, so look out for lots of edgy, artistic 
Uh, photos. Content. <laughs> it's content. content. Hashtag I know content. I know. But no, we'll, we'll, we'll try and do a few little different bits on the, on the Instagram page over the next season or so, obviously into next season. Um, what we might do, me, me and Mike might uh, do a little sort of story thing on there on our little trip to the Bradford game for the final game of the season. We'll try and speak to a few Blues as well to get their thoughts on Paul Simpson staying on as manager. So there you go. Uh, another reminder as well that uh, this season, the the second half of the show has been sponsored by the Cal United Supporters Club, London Branch. London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore. And of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sports games and fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the previous section of the season two. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlalondonbranch.org. Right, before we do the Behind Any Reliance section, it's time for the question of the week. And this week, because all three of us won, and I've not done one of these in a while, it's my question. I'm going to ask you guys, it's a two-parter question, this one. There's a really quick one that I want you to answer now, and then we've got another one that we'll answer later on in the show, basically. But it's because obviously Paul Simpson has been confirmed as a permanent manager again for the second spell. Um, it's a Paul Simpson-related question. So the first question I've got for you guys is, who scored the first goal of Paul Simpson's first spell as manager? So who was the first Carlisle player to score a goal in Paul Simpson's first spell as Carlisle manager? It came in a 3-2 win over Rochdale at Brunton Park. So uh, That was all 3 or 4 wasn't it? Oh, 3 or 4 yes. So uh, you want to have a quick... Try and work out who that is. Oh, it, it wasn't Brendan McGill. He did score in that game, but it wasn't Brendan yeah. McGill. What year would you say? Or three or four? Or three or four, yeah. Ooh. I'm going to give you... Who, give you who, who did we play? Rochdale. Rochdale. I'll give you a combined three guesses, basically. So you've had one, Brendan McGill. <laughs> Ooh. I'm trying to think who played for us that season. I will go with Craig Farrell. It's not Craig Farrell. I think he did score in that game, but I think it wasn't him. So, have we got two of the scorers in the I game? Think you've got two of the scorers in the game, possibly. I'll, I'll double check that now, but I'm pretty sure you've got two of the scorers in the ah, game. I know who it is. Go on. It was Paul Simpson himself. It was Paul Simpson. Ah, he, he opened the score in that stuff. game. Yeah. Against his former club, that was. So there you go. Well done. You managed to get that question now. Following on up on that, in terms of goals under Paul Simpson, forty over the two spells he's had in charge, fourteen players have scored five or more than five goals, league goals. This is for the Blues. I want you to try and name all fourteen at the end of the show. For the sake of this, is non-league league. Yes, yes. I'm, ca- yeah. I'm counting league fixtures in the conference as well. So it's basically. Yeah. League fixtures, whether it's League Two or Conference, which players have scored at least uh, scored more than five goals during Paul Simpson's spell? There's fourteen of them in total, if you can name them. Uh, and if you can try and sort of get, we'll try and get, you know guess them up in order. What I'll do is I'll give you the numbers, and then you can try and guess as we go up, basically. So we'll do that later on in the show. Uh, up next, it's the Behind Enemy Lines section. This week, I spoke to Matt from the Stevenage FC podcast, um, which had a quick chat basically about why Stevenage has struggled so much over the last few years, in particular the fact that they've had, I think, nine different managers since they were relegated back to 
League Two with us in uh, 2014. Um, we also talked about some of the ground redevelopment work that's taken place at Broad Hallway in the recent seasons. And uh, whether Steve Evans is just the next natural step after having Graham Wesley as he manages so many times. So uh, here's the chat I had with Matt uh, earlier this week. Matt, we're talking ahead of this weekend's game, which is a little bit more relaxing than you might have expected it to be this weekend, uh, in a few weeks ago at the very least. Um, but, I mean, looking back, I mean, I, I was just checking before when you guys came down to League Two, and I didn't realise it was actually the same time we did when we got relegated from League One. Uh, since then, you've had nine different permanent managers, including two spells for Graham Wesley, of course, which is tradition. Um why have you found it so hard to find the right man and get yourselves, you know, back up challenging at the right end of the table? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, Lee. And to be honest with you, it's it's been, you know, obviously as you can imagine, it's been a massive problem at our club at Stevenage. Um, we've said this for a long, long time. We've been kind of incapable of signing the right football league manager. Um, and it's and it's you know happened for such a long time at our club at Stevenage. Um, yeah, look, we've come down, and unfortunately, I think the kind of fault has to lie with the chairman, Phil Wallace. Although he's done a brilliant job at the football club, and he's achieved so much, and um, he's done so much for us as a football club with the stadium and with the club growth. But the one thing that we've all said as Stevenage support is that he hasn't done right are the managerial appointments. Uh, we seem to sign these managers. Um, they stay for 18 months and then they're gone. And a lot of them are quite inexperienced. I mean, a few that we've had, Darren Sahl, Dino Mamria. Um, you could even say Alex Ravel, who was manager this season, who's currently back with the first first um, team again in the coach room role. But um, yeah, it's been a real issue for a long, long time. And unfortunately, because of that, we haven't been able to um, build a team and build an identity of football. Yeah, it's a real challenge, I suppose. I mean, the first season when you came down, actually, you got into the playoffs, didn't you? I think that was under Wesley still. I think he was still in charge at that point. Um, but since then, your best finish has been 10th, and actually the last few seasons have been a real slog, haven't they? I mean, you were saved by the... I can't remember if it was Macclesfield or Berry that saved you uh, back, back <laughs> in the, uh, the the COVID days, whatever it was. Um, this season, you've just about kept your heads above water. It, it seems a strange one because you've always picked up these sort of players who get low, let go by your clubs like your Arsenal's and your Spurs, you know, the ones who aren't good enough to get like a championship level club, but still decent players. It doesn't feel like you, you may be getting those players anymore. Maybe you're not, just not getting the same quality of players you had been back in the day. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point to bring up. I mean, I mean, as you mentioned, um, you know, two seasons ago, look, we, we've had a crazy three seasons at the club. Mm. You know, that, that season two, two years ago, um, was appalling and and you know we we should have gone down but yeah you are correct it wasn't just Barry it was Barry and Macclesfield yeah. that, that <laughs> kept us out in the end I don't get wrong it was incredible when we found out we were staying up and we still had our football league status everyone was so proud but at the same time you know we got out of jail um, I think for us it's it, it's just as I said a minute ago it's just been solely about getting a good manager because I think what's happened at, at our club is we sign these managers they don't recruit the best we have a head of recruitment as well which hasn't really done a great job he's called Leon Hunter the past 10 years um, and, and, and it's been a real slog uh, and even this season we thought we you know had recruited a good team and unfortunately you know a couple of managers that we had weren't, weren't good enough and you know Brilliantly, we found ourselves a football league guy now who in no time has kept us up and things look positive. But I think for us at Stevenage, it, it, it's 
it's very difficult to go out and sign the best players because as a smaller club, we don't have the bigger funds. So we always have to rely on those loan players. Like, you know, I could give you an example. Three years ago, nearly, we had Elias Chair and uh, he came to the club. It was the 2019 um, season and uh, we nearly made the playoffs and he was absolutely brilliant. He changed the team and he was superb. And just players like that can change the kind of outlook at our club. But yeah, it's it's a real difficult one for us. Uh, with good sponsorship that we've got at the minute, next season looks bright with us staying up now that we can actually provide some funds to, to Steve Evans and the, and the management team to go and sign players. But yeah, look, we, we've had a crazy three years. You know, I've been a Stevenage supporter for in the best part of 20 years now and I haven't known three seasons like it. So... Hopefully we're over that now. This season's been mental with our four different managers, uh, which is just crazy to say. We had one away within eight months. I think we're all over it now. And the fact that we've got over the line, we're uh, we're ready for a new era at the club next season. I think we're all really excited to see how we get on and how we do. Well, well let's let's take a step back and talk about those two of those managers you had this season then. Um, Alex Revel, first of all. I mean, last season... It was weird. You had an incredible defensive record, but you just could not score goals to save your lives in the first half of the season. I remember we beat you, was it 4-0 four, four at Brunton Park? And I mean, that, that was a rarity because you, you did not concede goals that season and we battered you that day. And after that, you went on a, a brilliant run and got yourself up to, I think, 10 or something like that in the end. I think it was the top, I can't remember if it was the top half finish, but it was a good finish at least. Um what went wrong at the start of this season? Because it looked like he was building something there. And it and actually, when you looked at some of your signings, they looked like good, solid, experienced players. We didn't think you would be struggling on our, our podcast. We didn't, pre, in our preview, we didn't say that. To be honest with you, it's, it's really simple, actually. So, obviously, we, we got a reprieve, uh, for, obviously, from, from Macclesfield. Mm. Um, and we didn't really know what league we were going to be in. I mean, we only got the reprieve a week before... Mm. Oh, not sorry, not even a week before, two days before yeah, pre-season. Right, yeah. So um, for us, we couldn't really go out and buy football league level players or use the budget because we just didn't know what league we were going to be in. So um, the start of the season, we were so poor because we'd signed a lot of non-league players because we expected to be in that division next season. So what had happened, we had those first four or five months with national league level players like Innie Fiong and Femiaki one day who all now play for Woking and God only knows who. And then what we simply did is when we got to the January window, we started making Football League investments because we could. So, you know, we signed players like Luke Norris, who's our yeah. top goal scorer at the minute. We signed Matty Stevens, who's just gone up with Forest Green. We signed Jack mm-hmm. Aitchison, who's just gone up with Forest Green. We were able to make Football League investments. Tom Pett's another, who's at Port Vale, who played for us before. And then that, you know, last four months of the season, those kind of changes that we made were the reason why we went on the run because we had a football league level team. So it's quite a simple one to answer really. It's it's we were so poor at the start of the season because we had national league level players because we thought we were going to be there. So the smart changes we made in January in the signings was probably the reason why we went on that run at the end of the season. Yeah and obviously things just didn't quite go right for Revel this season. It's one of those things, isn't it? Tisdale came in to replace him. Now Paul Tisdale someone I think a lot of lower league fans admire for the work he did at Exeter and, and even did an alright job at MK Dons getting them out of league two as well. It doesn't seem to be working for him anywhere now. Is, he, is it just one of those things where maybe he's a manager who works at a certain club but doesn't really find a way of translating that to a club like Stevenage maybe? 
Yeah, it's a good point. I, I think people might disagree with what I'm going to say, but I feel like the football in League Two has evolved and got better. Mm. And I think if you look at the level and the standard that it is now, it was never like that ten years ago. And I and I feel like. When we appointed Tisdale, by the way, he's originally not the guy that we went for. We actually originally went for Steve Evans. Yes, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> um, but they wanted £300,000 and we were like, well, we're never going to spend that. So he wasn't our first choice, Tisdale. It was Evans who we've obviously got now. Um, but I think with Paul Tisdale, he was a great manager back in the day, but the football's evolved and changed. And I feel like you have a lot of these managers now that, um, and a lot of them, a few of them have dropped down into the non-league who still try to manage with that same kind of, I don't know what the word is, same tactics or whatnot from what used to work 10 years ago that doesn't work now. And I think that's what happened with Tisdale. His recruitment, if I'm being completely honest, was, was diabolical in January. Mm. He just didn't sign any good players. And we had a budget as well with the sponsorship. And that probably cost him. We had a little bit of a new player bounce back in January where we picked up some form and started putting some wins together. But very simply, he was just not good enough in the end. And and some of the great things that he used to probably set his teams up 10 years ago, it just didn't work for us in this new era of football. So I liked his style. He, he was a clever guy. Um, he's obviously, you know, a very good head in football. But I think he's more of a director of football now rather yeah. than a manager. And I think yeah. that came clear when he was with us. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because I think when you've been at a club like Exeter for so long, you've been given time and patience to actually do things. When you're in a situation where it's a struggle, you're not going to get that time and patience. He saw that at Bristol Rovers as well, I guess, didn't he? Um, let's talk about the, the current man then. Um, I mean, you guys certainly know how to pick a, a manager that not many other fans of other clubs like, don't you? <laughs> um, Steve <laughs> Evans is, is, is a man who certainly rubs a lot of people up the wrong way and, and you know, we all know about his past at Boston and what happened there and, and things that have happened to other clubs as well. But he does get results. There's no doubt about that. And he and he seems to be, it seems like your chairman has sort of set out a bit of ambition to say, right, I'm getting a man in here who's got a reputation of being able to do things to get us actually up the right end of the table. And what sort of effect has he had so far? Have the fans taken to him? Yeah, look, Lee, um, first of all, we, we were over the moon. I mean, you know, I said to you at the start of this kind of little discussion that you know it's been an you know well documented that we've struggled to appoint any football league managers probably for the last 10 years at our club mm. and and I think for us at Stevenage we felt like this was the first manager that we actually have appointed with with recent relevant football league experience um so first of all we were over the boat he's who we wanted in November and couldn't get um so we were again over the moon that we got him and I think you can see how good of a manager he is because normally with these new managers, these new managers come in and sometimes it takes them a month or two months to fully get going. He had an instant impact straight away. He came in. We had a game called off because of COVID, which uh, we replayed last night against Mansfield. And then we went to Exeter and it was one of the best performances I've seen in about three months. Um, should have nicked a point. A week later, we lost to Oldham, but again, we're brilliant. I don't know how we didn't win that day. And then Bob got the first win. And since then, we've gone on to pick 10 points up in 15. He's been brilliant. He's got the job done that he was brought in to do. And we're all sitting here at Stevens saying, this is it now. This is the guy that we feel is a perfect fit for our club. He's got all the right characteristics. He's, he, you know, his interviews, in his interviews, he talks about our club like it's one of his favourites. And I think going forward next season and the future, we've got a real guy here that could be really successful at our club. So I think speaking on everyone at, of us at Stevenage, we're very excited to have him and we're very excited to see what we can do next season in the future, to be honest. 
He's one of those guys, I suppose, if he's in charge of your club. I mean, I probably would never want him at Carlisle, but that's that's just my personal view. But if he's managing your club, you love him. If he's not managing your club, if he's against you, he's someone you can despise, isn't he, because of the kind of character he is. <laughs> but, um, I mean, Graham Wesley was like that. Let's just talk about him briefly, because... Um, there was always a little bit of a rivalry back when we were in the conference for one season between our two clubs, wasn't there? There was a few ding-dong games, I think you'd call them that, um, and particularly, obviously, the, the playoff final. You beat us in the two league games, and obviously we got revenge in the playoff final. And our manager, Paul Simpson, actually still talks about that now. I think it's still something that riles him up. Can you remember back in those days? I mean, obviously, you would have been your early days of sporting Stevenage, I presume. Yeah, no, I remember the days really well, and I was still heartbroken at the fact that Anthony Eldin missed that volley from the corner. It should have, it should have gone in. Oh my words! Yeah, I was gutted. I remember I was there that day. I was absolutely heartbroken. Um, yeah, no, we had a little bit of rivalry, didn't we, back in the conference days? I think, I think we have that with all the teams that used to play in the conference. You know, um, it, it's. I think you still keep that history, don't you, as as, as the as the years go on. But yeah, Graham, look, Graham was. A legend for us at the club. He, and do you know it's really funny. I know it's kind of gone off the question a little bit, but Graham Wesley is—he's probably gone down as one of the most successful managers ever at our club. Yeah. And what's really funny is he—he he actually came back a few years ago when we got the reprieve. And um, what's really funny about this is he ended up getting fired because he just couldn't turn the form around. But he nicked us a four-nil win at Cambridge, and when we look back at the points deducted from Macclesfield, if we wouldn't have won that day, we would have got relegated even wow. with Macclesfield's point deduction. So not only has he gone down in, in history as a manager that got us up to nearly the championship, he kept us up, but we're convinced <laughs> to say it. So yeah, look, Graham's, Graham's a legend. And, and to link it to the Steve Evans thing, we actually see not a lot of Graham Westy and Steve Evans, but they're similar in yeah. the fact that not a lot of people like them. So I think that's why we relate to Steve a lot more than we would do a Paul Tisdale because we ha- we've experienced that element of having a manager that's that's not very well liked. Yeah. Well, um, a couple more things actually before we finish, Matt. Um, firstly, just asking a little about in terms of uh, developing your ground because obviously since coming up to the league, one of the issues you had back in the day was that you didn't get into the football league a couple of times, I think, because your ground wasn't up to scratch. Obviously, it's a bit better these days and something fans might have noticed in the last couple of seasons is you've redeveloped one of the stands behind the goal as well, haven't you? Yeah, you're completely right. Uh, that is something that that I am really proud about in our club. Um, I remember the old days with you know looking at our ground, looking at it, and thinking, "Wow, we're still a non-league looking image sort of side." Mm. Um, and yeah, the the North Stand. I've got a season ticket in it. I absolutely love it. I'll probably have a season ticket in it for the rest of my life. It's absolutely brilliant. The facility and the view is so proud that we've got that our club at Stevenage. Um, but yeah, no, the North Stand, we, we've actually been wanting to build that for a long, long time. And and uh, the council, see the council own our stadium. Yeah. And um, we've had to get permission off them to be able to build it. And they finally gave us permission um, a good few years ago to build it. So we are able to finally build it. And um, yeah, the stadium looks great. I mean, um, we're more than comfortable if we did go up to League One f- for there to, you know, be no changes. Obviously, if you go up to the Championship, we probably have to, to you know, up, upsize. But yeah, look, the stadium looks great. We've, we've built that stand, and when you drive past 
that stand and the stadium on that side of the road, you look and you think that's a football league club rather than the old days of the of the white wall where you went past and went, oh, that looks like Bromley. Do you know what I mean? That's a non-league club. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, look, the, the stadium looks great. And, and also the commercial side of our club, I think that has to be noted. Um, we've done some big things. We've had some big sponsorships, Burger King and Prime Gaming we've got this mm. season and for next season. So the, the club commercially has been a real positive. I think a lot of people, what a lot of people have been disappointed at is we've been so good commercially and so bad on the pitch <laughs> the past three years that they want that to change. But obviously you've got to keep, got to keep both. But um, yeah, the, the club looks great. We've got great people at the club and um, oh yeah, the North, the North stand, it's, uh, it's fantastic. I love sitting in there every, every home game and watching a game of football. It's great. Uh, one quick more question just to ask you about uh, in terms of who's who's the players to watch for you I mean, I mean we're all expecting this weekend's game is going to be it's going to be either a mad 5-5 draw or something like that isn't it or it's going to be a drab 0-0 you know pointless game basically where you know everyone's like why have we even bothered coming I mean we, we played Walsall the last day of last season generally one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in my life it, nothing nothing happened in it so hopefully it won't be that but who, who are the players we should watch out for this weekend uh, yeah, firstly, look, we, we are really excited. I, I think for us, we were looking at this fixture going, we're going to have to win it because we mm. thought it was going to go down to the last day of the season. Um, so the fact that we as a club are coming up to your uh, ground to play you in a game where we're safe, we're, we're, it's <laughs> just a, oh, it's a brilliant thing to say as a Stevenage fan. We didn't think it had you know, happened in a, in a million years. Um, yeah, ones to watch at Luke Norris, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, he's our top goal scorer. He's been re- pretty much the only guy that's really been scoring the goals for us for the past five months. Uh, I do believe he's got 15, 16 in all competitions. He's a Stevenage-born lad as well. He lives in Stevenage. So, uh, Luke Norris, one million percent. Um, but, you know, there are some other good players. Elliot List, although List, he hasn't had the greatest form the past four months due to his injury. Before that, and for the first five months, he was scoring... For, nearly every other game. Brilliant pace off the shoulders. He's, he's, I'd put money on saying he's one of the fastest in the league. Uh, Elliot List is definitely one to watch for. Jamie Reid, another, popping up with a goal now and again. Um, so so really, any one of the three strikers, that, that's that been a one, one big positive for us this season, that all three strikers have actually scored a good handful amount of goals between each other. So any one of the strikers, and, and also keep an eye on Scott Cuthbert from corners. He's had a few this season. So... Um, yeah, I would say they're the main players to watch out from. If I had to pick one, Luke Norris, probably. Before I go into the prediction, actually, there's one more question I completely forgot to ask you about. Um, I was looking through to try and see who the players who connect the two clubs are in each of the squads, and there's I can only find one, I think, and that's Jordan Gibson, who has been a real star for us this season. He's been like an, a bit of a revelation, having come over from Ireland, having had a short spell over there with a couple of clubs. How did he get on with you guys? I think he had a short spell. Was it a half-season loan spell with you? Yeah, I, I actually remember him really well. This was only a few years ago. This was the same. He was signed exactly the same window as Ilias Chair was when mm. we uh, had Dino Manria, and that was the we called it the Ilias Chair season because he was just um, mm. he was one of the best players I've ever seen play for Stevenage. Uh, yeah, I remember Jordan really well. He came in. Um, he, I've got to be honest, he, he, he didn't set the world alight with us. Mm. Uh, he, he wasn't good at all. I actually remember him. Uh, this is really funny. Uh, he was playing a little bit and then he just didn't play at all. And I, he got dropped to come and play in our area. I don't know what it, I don't know if it's similar to where you guys are up in Cumbria, but there's a little competition called the Hart Senior Cup. It's yeah, like we have county. a Cumbria Cup, yeah. <laughs> oh, do you? Bingo. Okay, so it's very similar to the Cumbrian Cup, the Hart Senior Cup. 
and he got put in that. He got put in that, and I remember going to watch Stevenage play at Cheson. Now Cheson mm-hmm. are just down the road from us in North London, and I remember watching him play that day in front of about three hundred people, and and so that kind of gives you how well he did at our place. I remember watching him thinking, oh God, I can't believe he's dropped down to here. Mm-hmm. And after that, we didn't really see him again and then he was released. So he didn't really set the world alight with us. But he has been someone that I've seen for your lot and he scored at our place. I remember thinking, oh, we'll call this Jordan Gibson yeah. um, playing for Carlo. So yeah, look, he didn't hit it off with us, but it looks like he's gone on to do really well at your place. I'm quite happy for him because, you know, he, he did seem like a good player. I'm glad you've said that because uh, Jordan's dad listens to the podcast. <laughs> just, just a little warning there, yeah. He's a, he's a listener, so I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll be listening in, and he, he may well agree he didn't have the best of times at Stevenage, but it's, it's working out for us. Um, Matt, big thank you for giving up your time. Shall we have a quick prediction from you for this weekend's game? Uh, yeah, so um, my prediction, very simply, um, look, anyone that knows me knows I'm the most positive Stevenage <laughs> fan going. Honestly, anyone from the club would say, who's your most positive Stevenage fan? It's Matt Farley, my country mile. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling positive about the game. We lost last night against Mansfield, but um, tough place to go. I think the boys will come back and respond. And I think uh, I said, said to someone in the week that our very first away game, we won. We didn't get an away win for eight months and then won away at Colchester in April. And I think we might win our last away game. So I'm going to go a, uh, a sneaky 1-0 Stevenage win with Luke Norris in the last 10 minutes. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can get up near 50 points. So um, yeah, I'm back in a 1-0 win. Well, it massively depends on which Carroll team turns up for us. Because if a team that played Mansfield and Bristol Rovers turns up, I don't think you've got much chance. If the team that plays Harrogate <laughs> turns up, you've got all three points to take home with you. Matt, <laughs> Thanks for giving up your time. Uh, and I'd say all the best for the rest of the season. There's only two games left anyway, and you're safe. So I don't wish you all the best because I hope we win at the weekend. <laughs> so there you go. But yeah, safe journey up and hope you enjoy your day, Carlo. Yeah, look, Lee, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. And, and again, I'm very looking forward to coming back to your place <laughs> next season. So uh, yeah, no, look, we're looking forward to it. And uh, and yeah, hopefully um, next season, our two teams can get promoted to League One and then we can all do it in League One again, can't we? That would be nice. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, thanks once again to Matt for giving up his time to speak to us about all things Stevenage. Uh, certainly very very passionate about his team and uh, he's coming up for the game this weekend despite the fact that it's a dead rubber. That's certainly dedication to say the least. Um, yes, this weekend we take on Stevenage at Brunton Park. Uh, normal Saturday 3 o'clock kickoff for this one. Um, referee, Darren Drysdale. Name might seem familiar to you. There's a good reason for that. Um, he's an RAF sergeant uh, and he's in his 18th season as an EFL referee. Um, he's taken charge of 34 games so far this season, handing out 112 yellow cards and three red cards. You probably remember him, though, because he was famously involved in an incident a couple of seasons ago, wasn't he, Dan? With, uh, yeah. with Alan Judge. Alan Judge, wasn't it? A bit of a... Yeah, they had a bit of to do. It was basically towards the end of a game. I think he didn't give a decision in Judge's favour. A judge was basically screaming in his face. Uh, basically, I think, called him the C-word, didn't he? Yeah. And essentially, Drysdale did not back down. He, he's a quite a tall bloke, Drysdale, isn't he? He's a like, well, he's an, an RF sergeant, isn't he? So, of course, he's going to be a big fella. But he basically stood up to him and essentially rutted heads almost, didn't they, really? It was a kind of weird sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, he actually got a suspension as a result of that. But he'd actually already served it because he basically stood down from officiating for a short while while it was sorted out. So essentially, they accepted that as time in lieu almost. Um, it's the first time he's refereed United, though, since he last took charge of the 1 0 defeat in Mansfield in September 2018. But he also famously was a referee on the day when United drew 1 1 at Field Mill and secured promotion 
to League Two, uh, League One, sorry, under Paul Simpson. So a little bit of a connection there. Um, head-to-head wise, 24th meeting between the two sides. Uh, United have won 11, six have been a draw and uh, six wins for Stevenage so far. Uh, last season, Stevenage finished 14th for League Two. I, I didn't realise they'd finished that high action when I was looking because like, they had a really dreadful first half of the season last year, didn't they? From what I remember. And famously, that I mean, they had a really strong defence but an absolutely appalling attack. Mm. But then they came to Brunton Park and got absolutely battered by us 4-0, didn't they? With um, was it Joe Riley scored that brilliant volley from a long throw? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Game, yeah. Really, really good finish that was. So, um, so yeah... Uh, 14th they finished, which, which was quite an achievement considering they didn't know what division they were going to be in at the start of last season, did they? Because obviously there was all the to do with Macclesfield and Berry, and they got I yeah, think a, a yeah. reprieve literally two days before the fixtures were due to be confirmed. So they basically had they had signed players ready for non-league football, thinking they were going to go down, and then had to rebuild again in January. So it's it's, it's quite incredible, really, how much they turned it around there. Um, this season, it's been worse than last season 22nd currently on 44 points from 44 games nice little round couple of numbers there uh two positions below and six points less than united so a point today basically guarantees us at least a point today sorry point this weekend guarantees us 20th place and keeps barrow and stevenish below us for this season which has got to be the aim surely you'd hope um well let's talk about their manager shall we guys um after. I mean, <laughs> normally when I do these manager preview bits, I try and keep them nice and short and brief to the point. But there's so much to talk about with Steve Evans, isn't there? Mm. He is not a character that, you know, is overly popular at most by fans of most clubs, including some of the clubs he's actually managed. <laughs> but uh, he's a character. I mean, that's one way you describe him, isn't it? I think you can probably think of another word beginning with C to describe him. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean... They got him at their second attempt in March. They they tried to get him from Gillingham, didn't they? At, in back in December, I think it was. Gillingham wanted three hundred grand <laughs> to bring him in, so instead they went for Paul Tisdale. Gillingham ended up sacking Evans a few weeks later, anyway, and they basically bombed off Tisdale to bring in Evans finally. But um, but yeah. Controversy's always followed him around, hasn't it, Dan? I think it's fair to say. We always remember back in the day when he was ma- managing back in the uh, the old conference, as it was back then, before even uh, like Conference North or South existed, didn't it? He was, they were in the Southern League, uh, Boston. He got them promoted to the conference, and then they flew through the conference. They had, um, who was the name of the striker they had? Was it Ken Charlie? Ken Charlie or something like that, I think it was. The lad who played for Barnet back in the day, I think. Ken Charlie. Charlie, I think that's him, yeah, and he scored for fun, didn't he, for them? But it turned out his wage that he submitted to the FA in the contracts was something like £100 a week, wasn't it? But he was actually getting most of his pay and expenses, <laughs> which obviously <laughs> yeah. is, avoids tax, doesn't it? And he didn't know about this, apparently. He, he presumed he was just getting paid his full wages. He wasn't actually, so he never actually, I don't think he ever got in trouble. It wasn't his fault. But apparently this was happening with quite a few other players. Essentially, that's how they managed to avoid a lot of tax. And Basically, even though he got them promoted to the league, Evans, he, he essentially ended up getting sacked, didn't he? Well, he said he walked out basically on the club because he got suspended and later resigned after an FA investigation into contract irregularities at the club. Saw him banned from football for 20 months and he was also fined £8,000 for impeding the inquiry. 
The FA charges led to a criminal investigation where he pleaded guilty to conspiring to cheat the public revenue and received a 12-month prison sentence suspended for two years. So, yeah, fair to say, you know, it all ended badly at Boston, you think, wouldn't you? No, he returned to Boston two years later. They reappointed him as manager, now established in the Football League. Um, wasn't overly popular. I think the Boston United Sports Trust were not happy with the fact that he was he was brought back in and continued to protest over him being employed by the club after that. And uh, yeah, controversy followed him again. I mean, this is a list of some of the things he did at Boston in his second spell. Uh, September 2005, uh, Evans and four other people connected to Boston appearing in court denying fraud charges. Bear in mind, this is in his second spell. <laughs> this is carried over from the first spell. Uh, November 2005, given a £1,000 fine suspended for a year after admitting to using insulting or abusive words to a match official. February 2006, I remember this happening. I remember it being incredible at the time. He was escorted from Grimsby Stadium by Humberside Police at half-time after berating the fourth official over a handball decision that wasn't given. In October 2006, he was sent from the dugout after an altercation with Wickham midfielder Tommy Doherty and later received another £1,000 suspended fine from the FA. <laughs> um, resigned from Boston after they got relegated to the conference and then quickly took over at Crawley Town. Again, controversy followed him. Managed to pick up a 10-match ban during the 2008-09 season after being sent from the dugout on numerous occasions. He did get the club promoted to the EFL, to be fair to him, um, in a season where they actually made the... FA Cup fifth round, only losing 1-0 to Manchester United or Trafford in a game that they reckoned earned them a million pounds. So obviously, you know, things like that certainly help a club, don't they? Crawley um, beat Torquay, who beat us. So we yes. could have played Man United. I remember that now. You're absolutely right. It's a really good point that I'd completely forgotten about that, but there you go. And that, um, that game against Torquay was Jean Mikel Gabarsin, one of his... Marco Sol- Gabarsin, yeah. Marco yeah, Gabarsin's first game, yeah. But I think Tom Thomas Cruz played in that game. Might be his last game for us as well. Well, he, he, he put a kit on. I wouldn't say he played. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> probably a fair way of putting it, isn't it? Um, yeah, so uh, he left Crawley in April 2012, just weeks before they were about to secure promotion to League One to take on the job at Rotherham. Uh, Millers had missed out on the playoffs that season, but uh, in the season after, he got them promoted to League One, finishing in second place, and then was a good promotion to the championship through the playoffs the season after as well. So two seasons in a row, promotions at Rotherham. I think he's still quite popular there. Um, still a slight hangover from Crawley, though, because in September 2012, he was given a six-match stadium ban and fined £3,000 by the FA after being found guilty of using abusive and insulting words and behaviour towards a female member of Bradford City's staff. That obviously happened when he was in charge as, as Crawley manager. Again, that's a game I remember that was a really, like, really controversial at the time for what happened with it. Um, kept Rotherham in the championship in his first season there. Then he left the club and was appointed by Leeds United. But he only lasted one season. I mean, they were owned by Massimo Salino at the time and they were just a basket case really, weren't they? Um, he then went to Mansfield Town where he replaced former Blues player Adam Murray. Lasted only 15 months at midfield mill. This is amazing, this bit though, right? He resigned on the 27th of February 2018, stated he wanted to go and work in China. Now, he turned down a deal when he was at Rotherham to go and manage in China, I think it was, because of fact for family reasons. There was a connection there. So basically he said, 27th of February 2018, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving Mansfield because I want to go and work in China. On 28th of February, Evans was appointed as boss of Peterborough United, that famous Chinese team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, as you can imagine, he's not very popular at Mansfield. In fact, Stephen has played at Mansfield in midweek and apparently he was getting all kinds thrown at him. They had to be escorted off the pitch at half-time and at full-time. It was, uh, 
Yeah, an interesting one there. Uh, he only lasted 11 months after being sacked a few days after being charged by the FA over comments made to a match official in a defeat to Luton. A few months later, he popped up at Gillingham where he led them to two consecutive 10 play finish. Uh, once again, charged with abusing a match official there. Um, yeah, he'll certainly want to be... He makes Graham Wesley, you know, seem like a lovely chap, doesn't he, really? He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a... He's a bit of a vile piece of work, isn't he? I think it's fair to say, Dan. Yeah, he's, he's just a gobshite, isn't he? <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> but basically, he's one of those people, I suppose, if he managing you do well, you probably quite love him, don't you? Because he is that kind of character. He's basically the modern-day Barry Fry, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. He certainly is. And, uh, yeah, he's... Uh, I've no doubt he'll probably do quite well at Stevenage because he, seems to, he does seem to have a habit of building teams together and when he's got a bit of money to spend, especially... But um, but yeah, I think it was he. Matt, did he take Adam Collin to Rotherham as well? I seem to remember actually. I think he. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Adam Collin was at Rotherham at the time. I think so. Yeah, it's about that time, wasn't it? So, yeah, around about that time, wasn't it? So there you go. So that's Steve Evans for you. I thought he, it was worth giving a bit more background to some younger fans <laughs> who may not know about what what kind of a character he is. But uh, yeah, let's just say not a very nice one, to put it bluntly. Um, as I mentioned there just a minute ago, um, their last game was a two 0 defeat at Evans' former club, Mansfield Town. Lost thanks to goals from George Lapsley and Matty Longstaff. Um, in terms of form, they actually are ninth in the last six games form table. Record of lost one, one drawn one, lost. Uh, United are currently twenty second. Obviously, only lost once in the last five games, which was that Mansfield game. Those wins, Dan, and draw have cost you money, haven't they? Probably, yeah. And obviously, Barrow as well, not picking up a bit of form under Phil Brown, yeah. Because obviously they've both managed to pull away, haven't they? And um, the dream, the dream died. Yes, sadly. Sadly, it was, it was nice while it lasted. I've, though, I suppose. I've, I've, I've still got AFC Wimbledon in League One holding the fort for me, so I'll get my money back. Yeah, fair dues, fair dues. Um, quick look through their squad. Then um, it's very it's, experienced. There's a lot of experience in good areas, isn't there? I suppose you know. Mm. Boswick's one we said in January, wasn't it? That looked a really good side of them. Don't think he's it's got quite a very good beard, Boswick as well. He has, he's a terrific beard. I don't think it's quite worked out as they hoped. You don't think he's played quite as much or done quite as well. Um yeah, Scott Cuthbert is captain, you know, he, he's a very good defender at this level. Um you've mentioned Ben Coker a couple of times, haven't you, Dan? There's someone who's yeah, know, a bit Crosser unlucky, as well. Mm. Crosser as well. You know, you look through it, there's there's some good players, isn't he? You know, it's I mean, like, Ed Upson in midfield. Again, he's on the bench lately. Jake Reeves and Jake Taylor both played at a decent level at this level. Chris Lyons from Bristol Rovers. In attack, Elliot List always seems to play really well against us. Luke Norris. Bruno Andrade was, you know, it was the next big hope, wasn't he, at um, mm-hmm. Salford when he went there? That didn't really work out for him. What Jamie I think, Reed as well. He, he bagged 32 for uh, Torquay a couple of years ago. Struggled a bit at Monosville there, didn't he? Never really yeah. made the same impact. Mm. Um, in terms of goalkeepers, they've got Christy Pym on loan from Peter United. He's one I've always thought. He's, he's a decent enough shot stopper, but he's only about five foot ten, isn't he? He's a very small keeper. Sometimes you get those small keepers who actually are quite good at dealing with crosses. From memory, he's not very good at dealing with crosses at all. I've seen to remember when he played for Exeter against us, he played in the playoffs, didn't he? And we did target him a little bit for that. So it'd be interesting to see whether we actually use that tactic this weekend. Maybe maybe it's a game if he's fit. Stick Toby in maybe for the game. Mm. See how he does. Um, yeah, but I'd expect he might change things up a little bit for this game, Evans, because he's, he's already said he's starting to assess the squad for next season. And 
they might have a little bit of investment in something because they've got quite a big sponsor, haven't they? Amazon Prime Gaming. They, 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 they get some decent sponsors. Don't they? they had Burger King last season, I think it was, a couple of seasons ago. So, yeah, they certainly do pick up a few. Talk about United then now. Um, Mike, um, in terms of injuries, near enough a, a clean bill of health, isn't there, at the moment? Obviously, slight doubts over Toby and Dinell, but maybe could see Jamie Dewitt this weekend? Maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe not starting. Um, mm. But, yeah, if he, if he could sort of do 30 minutes or even 45 or so, that would be that'd be good to see. Um because Simo, it was all a bit in the air, wasn't it, with Devitt when he got his injury about whether Simo would stay. And Simo sort of seemed to indicate that the club will look after him and he might not be offered a contract in the summer, but he might sort of be able to train with us and then go from there. I, kind of I think he'll be offered one more for the fact that he's A, experienced, B, he gets a club. He, he won't play every game, probably. No. You know, he does get knocks, but... He's, he's. I think he's quite good for the bands. I hate that word. But he's a good character, isn't he? Basically, he's, yeah. I think. I think. Mm. I think he's liked in dressing rooms. You know, you don't. You don't see many bad words about about Jamie Devitt. So. Well, it's well the fact that you look at the fact that when he's been out injured, he's still been going to the games, hasn't he? He's yeah, been coming yeah. along with the squad where he can. I think it's a bit more difficult for some of the players. Like Callum Guy, he's got a knee injury. You don't really want to. Be oh yeah, yeah Traveling yeah. as much and seeing you as well, but. It just shows the commitment Devitt's got to the club, doesn't it, really? And I, yeah. I agree with you. I think he might get a deal because I think he might look right. I need to build around good characters. I've already yeah. got one here. The fans really like him. When he can play, he's a, he's a really good player at this level. I don't think... I, I think it, personally, I think it's a no-brainer, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was let go because of the injury issues, possibly. But, but yeah, yeah, although at the same time you say the injury issues, given his age and his recent injury record, I don't think his wages would be particularly high. So it would be relatively low risk at our end, I think. No, absolutely. I think you're right there. Um, yeah, in terms of the the team, I think I'll ask you this one, Dan, because you watched them last weekend. Uh, do you think he'll change it up and look at a couple of ways? I have a funny feeling he's going to change things. I'd put, I'd put Debit in from the start in that midfield, Christ. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did, to be honest. Even, yeah. If he's uh, fit. I think Alexandra might drop back to the bench at a very mm. quiet game, which was a shame because he had a good game the week yeah. before, you know. Yeah. But uh, like I say, maybe it could be one for sure silver. But he's got a bit of a knock, hasn't he? So I think Dennis will start. I think yeah. Dennis will start beside Patrick. Yeah. Uh, I think we may see a change in the middle and the defence. There was Simu came off with a knock, didn't he? Yeah, it was basically. I think it's he, he, like he landed badly or something. Yeah, yeah. So. I would imagine he'll be fit. If not, we might see McDonald back in. But possibly, yeah. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, interesting. Uh, well, let's have some match predictions then, guys. Um, Dan, do you want to go first? A three nil win. It's dangerous on that one. Following up after the, <laughs> the embarrassment that was uh, Harrogate well, no, predictions. Jekyll and Hyde, aren't we? Oh, that's true, true enough, isn't it? And so it'll be Patrick, Dennis, and Shaw Silver, all the strikers. Okay. Uh, Mike, what are you going for? I'm going to go for a 2 0 win and I'm going to go for uh, Patrick and I'm going to go for Samu getting his goal in the 93rd minute Q pitch invasion. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to go for a 3 0 win as well, like Dan, despite what I just said. Uh, and I'm going to go for goals from Patrick, Devitt, and Samu as well. I think a Samu will get a goal. So that's what I'm going to go for. Right. Before we do the X Files, do, do we want to do the quiz question answer? Yes, because I've got. I've got answers brought down everywhere. Here. Right. Okay. So, so like I said, there's there's um, 
in total, 14 players who scored at least six league goals. I, I have 14 players on my list. Oh, right. Okay. Well, do you want to, Mike, do you want to throw a couple in first? Because Dan obviously is going to list as many as he can. Yeah, anyway, but... I'll throw a few in. So, obviously, Carl Hawley. And Carl, start with the every obvious one here. Carl Hawley is top with 35 goals over yeah. Simpson spells. So yeah, that, that's an obvious one. That, that's a tick for you, for you there. I don't think that's a shock to Dan. I don't think he's going to have that one on his <laughs> list. But, um, but there you go. So he's top. Now, interestingly, who do you think are second and third on the list? Do you want to have a go I'll be Dan over this one? I'm not bothered about this. I've just got players who scored goals. Okay, well, I'll let, I'll let Mike have a crack at the top three and then we'll see. No, no, no. Get, get, get Patrick out of the way. All right, well, Patrick's uh, on this one. Patrick yeah. is indeed on the He's got six on there. He's the only one from the current spell. Yeah. First, second, I w- I'm a bit torn, but I'll say Michael Bridges. Michael Bridges is third on 15. Someone yeah. scored one more goal than Bridges. Over was it there. Was it Chris Lumsden? It was indeed. 16 yeah. goals to Chris Lumsden. There you go. That's your feet. Now, Dan, you'll have a crack at a few more now. Yeah. Derek Holmes must be in there. Uh, Homer is in fifth place with... Yeah. 12 goals. Andy Priest. Andy Priest is in joint sixth with two of the players on 10. Magno Vieira. Yeah. Another one of the joint six players. He's on 10 goals. I'm going to mention Craig Farrell again. Craig Farrell is... Let me just double check. I've got this right. Da, 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 da. Did I say joint fifth there? Hang on. I'm trying to count down here to make sure I've got the... The right number. Um, I think he's not. He's in the list, by the way. Just, just to remove any tension yeah. there. But basically, Craig Farrell uh, got nine goals, so he's just below. And the other obvious attacking player is Simon Hackney. He got six. Yes, during that season, we we got promoted. Glenn Murray's got to be one, hasn't he? Did he say Glenn Murray? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, Glenn Murray only got four, I think four or five, maybe. Surprise he scored a just... few in the conference, though. He only scored two in the conference. Oh. Obviously, it was three. I've, I've, way, I've, way around, I can't remember. I've got a load of defenders now to go through. Mm. Right. Come on, then, Dan. Let's have a few. Peter Murphy. Peter Murphy. Yeah. Ten goals. He got ten goals. Danny Livesey just sneaks in on six. And Kev Gray. Kev Gray yeah. got eight. And... I think he took penalties possibly now and again. Arnaldi? Did he say Arnaldi? Yeah. Five. Five in that first. Because ah, it's only one season, remember, with Arnaldi. That's the thing. So you're missing two, basically. There's two Brendan players Brendan McGill. Brendan McGill, correct. I was 14. just going to say Brendan McGill. 14 goals. And who's the other one? There's one player left. You've got six goals. Ooh. Oh, Richie Fram. No, he only got, no. I think, three or four that season. Uh, I can't be bothered pressing the wrong button again, so that's... that's uh, let me just have a quick think. Six goals, six goals, six goals. Is it someone random? Oh, not really. Not Simon Grand, is it? No. No, Simon Grand didn't. Not Adam Murray. Nope. No. Do you always put you out of uh, your misery? No, let me have one more guess. <laughs> I will go with... Ooh. 
Paul Simpson himself. Yes, it was Paul Simpson. I was <laughs> I mean, I mean, considering I said it earlier, I thought you'd get that one yeah, really quickly. That, but that, that's, what, that's what made me say it, yeah. Paul Simpson was six. So there you go. That's your full list. So basically, I'll go through it now. Hawley got 35. Lumsden got 16. Bridges, 15. McGill, 14. Holmes, 12. And then you've got Murphy, Priest and Vieira all on 10 goals. Craig Farrell on nine. Kev Gray on eight. And then Simon Hackney, Danny Livesey, Amari Patrick and Paul Simpson all on six goals. There we go. Right. So uh, let's move on then to the uh, X-Files section, Dan. Uh, a busy one this week in terms of goals and also promotions and relegations as well yeah business end of the season uh start off with uh, the goals weekend uh james tavernier scored a penalty for rangers in the 3-1 win over motherwell mm. jordan marshall scored in dundee's one all draw with st johnston uh gary medine scored a penalty for blackpool uh joe garner scored a bizarre goal uh in fleetwood's draw with wimbledon it was which really didn't madness. help both teams really did it no, it was a mad one, wasn't it? So essentially, Wimbledon are 1-0 up. On for their first win since December, it should be pointed out. And they were given a keep a, a free kick just inside the box. And obviously, they sent everybody up. And the keeper then had a complete brain fart, didn't he? He just forgot that he'd been given a free kick and started dribbling the ball out. And obviously, the ref blows and says, well, you can't do that. That's an indirect free kick now to Fleetwood. <laughs> Fleetwood took it short. And actually, it's a really smart little finish from him. Um, from uh, Garner, it's, it's, it's worth corner. googling. Yeah, he was just absolutely nuts. Yeah, uh, Harry McCurdy returned from injury, scored twice in Swindon's three 0 win at Hartlepool. More on him mm. shortly. Uh, Connor Malley scored for Gateshead in the one all with Kettering. Into midweek, Joe Garner scored again in Fleetwood's three two defeat to Sheffield. Uh, Richie Bennett scored for Sutton in the three 0 win over Crawley. Jack Bridge scored for Southend in the one nil over Boreham Wood. And big Byron Webster scored in Bromley's one all with all the shots. <laughs> uh, promotions and relegations. Uh, Jack Marriott relegated to League One with Peterborough. Zanzala promoted to League One with Exeter. That was a weird one, uh, wasn't it? Because he was he was there celebrating in the uh, Exeter dressing room, having just beaten his parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Barrow, which he obviously didn't play in that game, but yeah, yeah. strange. Uh, Alden went down, as we well know. So that was John Sheridan, Holland Hope, and Nicky Adams. With that one, uh, I've just got to say something like that before we go on a bit further. Some of our fans crowed about that, saying, oh, good enough for Hallam Hope and stuff like that. I've got, I've got to mention this again. But Hallam Hope's celebration against us in the thing, he had every right to the celebration with the way well, some of yeah. our fans treated him with that chant. It, it's a vile yeah. chant. Needs kicking out of football. It's pointless. So just just getting on my high horse a little bit there. Grow yeah. up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Josh Todd relegated to Scottish League One with Queen of the South. And Callum Higginbottom also went to League One, but upwards with Kelty Hearts. Uh, other news, uh, I'll leave Lee for the very last one of these, <laughs> but Harry McCurdy was named in the EFL League Two of the season, as well as the Team of the Week, and his usual weird dress sense. White white trainers with Chelsea graffiti on and a white hat. Yeah. He just looked an absolute tool. Yeah. Uh, Cole Stockton didn't get goal of the season or the place in the League One team of the season and he put up quite a funny tweet about it saying right. must have a wrong badge on my shirt and, and, and I've, got to, I've got to play some audio from one of the tweet replies this because it was brilliant here to report a crime yep. an international war crime right <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what it was <laughs> that was the, fir- the first uh, reply to it wasn't brilliant. It? And it's right to be fair I mean I'm not being funny but he scored that many goals in it I know it's picked by the managers and you know that they'll make their judgments but I mean, yeah it shows how underrated he's been, really, for the job yeah. he's done at Markham. Yeah. And 
Owen Moxon and Rannon was in the Scottish League 2 team of the season. And I'll leave this last one to Lee. So this one is one that we uh, we spotted on uh, Twitter. Someone had uh, posted it up. It's quite funny. So uh, Stockport County had done this little uh, feature thing, hadn't they? Basically of like, you know, when they, when they talk to players and ask them weird sort of questions about different things, like what's your favourite uh, music, what's your first car, things like that. And they did one with Paddy Madden. And one of the questions was, what would your last meal be on death row? This is Paddy Madden's response. Some sort of wrap. Uh, chicken wrap. <laughs> Paddy, you can have whatever meal you want. You don't, <laughs> you're, not, you're not training for, for, for you know, a game at um, Sonny or Moore's. You, you go on to get go to the chair and get fried. Have whatever you want, mate. What I would have is there's there's a, a fast food chain in America called Johnny Rockets, and they mm. give you unlimited fries. So I'd get a burger and unlimited fries, and then they can't execute <laughs> me because I'm still eating my chips. Yeah, that's a, that's one way of getting out of it. <laughs> there you go. Um, yep. Yeah, so. That, that's this week's episode done thanks once again lads for for joining me a, a really busy one actually it's going to be pushing on 100 minutes that's how long it is um thanks once again to our sponsors the london branch really appreciate their support this season and i know it's made a big difference to them because we've heard that a few people have actually joined up as a result listening to the podcast um in terms of upcoming episodes we've got uh one more regular season episode to follow next week where we'll we'll discuss what we think the retain list should be uh, and obviously then after that, we'll do a little roundup from the Bradford game. We might even record some bits there so we can cover that bit. And then we'll obviously be discussing the retain list the week after in terms of who Simo decides to keep. And uh, we'll also look at what the makeup's going to be of uh, League Two next season because uh, obviously the few teams getting confirmed now, a few teams come down from uh, League One. We'll probably possibly have teams confirmed from the National League by then. Maybe Stockport will find the uh, wrapped up promotion. So, um, well, we're going to Doncaster unless they win 28 nil and two other teams get beat. There'll be some effort that one day, I think it's fair yeah. to say. Uh, yeah, and that's it. So, we'll obviously be back next week uh, with a preview of the Bradford game, and then we've got a few episodes to follow, and then we'll take a short summer break. We'll have a few episodes to go out over that period. We won't be news based ones, basically, but maybe feature sort of ones, so we'll see how it goes. But, uh, Dan, Mike, fans once again for joining me. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks everyone for listening, and most importantly of all, up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.